hear tonight a message that God has for us relating back to the Christmas story. And tonight God is going to speak to us about the shepherds, the shepherds. And so let's bow our head. Heavenly Father, we ask you now through the Holy Spirit to anoint this message. Let it be the message that you have directed to our hearts, not the message written by a man, but instead the message written by the hand of God through the Holy Spirit. Let it resonate in our hearts. Let us lift up Jesus in everything we do. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, we are going to study uh, tonight uh, Christmas in the Eyes of the Shepherds. Uh, an incredible story, uh, an incredible passage in Luke. And you know that I spoke uh, uh, on Sunday about Luke. He was a great historian. Everything he did was predicated on eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony. He wouldn't take hearsay when he wrote it. And so as he wrote this passage, uh, it's so profound because you can rely on its accuracy in every possible way. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Uh, verses 8 to 20, and it will be on the screen, and you can follow along as I read uh, from my version of the Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which is just as they had been told. Amen. Amen to this great passage. And so you see here, this, the shepherds take center stage. And we often breeze over this passage. Uh, we rarely go back and read it, uh, but it's important to read as you understand this great miracle uh, completed by Jesus. And so by God, so there they are, the shepherds are out at night tending their flocks, and the Bible tells us that they were terrified. Uh, and pretty much every time an angel appears to man, uh, man is terrified because the name, angels are enormous. Uh, they're large, they're imposing, uh, and I, I imagine that the celestial light just flows off of them. And so when human beings are in the presence of angels, they frankly are terrified. And certainly that was the case with these angels until they were told to fear not. 
And so what is so fascinating here is the message delivered by the angel. Do not be afraid. I have good news for you tonight. I have good news for unto you a Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. And so there they were, convinced that if somehow God would show up in their lives, it probably wouldn't be good news. All right? Because that's the way shepherds were. The shepherds were considered on the very lowest rung of the social ladder uh, in Israel. They were considered unclean. There were two states in Israel. You were either clean or you were unclean. And that had a lot to do with how you, whether you, your profession was, whether you came into contact with animals. And there was rule after rule in just Jude, uh, Jewish society about whether or not you would be considered clean or unclean. And the shepherds were considered unclean. They were considered pariahs. They were at the very bottom of the social ladder. And I want you to focus on that tonight because it is at the very bottom of the social ladder that God gave the message of the Messiah, the very lowest. That's who he came to. And so look here. When you were a shepherd at that time, you were, you were unable to go to the temple. Imagine that. You couldn't participate in rituals. You couldn't worship. You couldn't be sacrificed to. You couldn't be washed and be made clean. All the things that Jewish society would do ceremonially to lift yourself up, to make you clean in the eyes of God, shepherds were unable to do. It's unbelievable. Furthermore, shepherds had no civil rights. They could not testify in court. There was a Jewish law that said that if a shepherd fell into a hole or a ditch, you were under no obligation to pull them out. It's an amazing thing when you go back and you study this um, and you see this. They were a despised class. They were considered by most to be thieves and untrustworthy. Uh, and so when you begin to look at their actual jobs, the irony of this is incredible because here they are out in the fields, six or eight miles from the temple in, in uh, Jerusalem, and they are looking for the firstborn male sheep in order to bring that animal into the temple so that that animal could be sacrificed during the high holidays. Can you imagine? That was their job. They're out there looking and searching for the firstborn sheep. And, and, and as they're doing that, those are the sheep that were going to be used uh, for the sacrifices, for the ritual sacrifices. And so God is using their earthly job to mirror the spiritual significance of this story. Let's understand that. God is doing it to mirror the spiritual significance of this story. Why do I say that? Because there they are bringing the sheep, bringing the lambs into the temple to the priests in order that the sins of the people may be washed away, even though they themselves were unworthy under Jewish law to do it. So they were responsible for the perfect spiritual sacrifice. And so even though they themselves were unable to go in and be part of the rituals, they did this for the rest of society. And so notice how, notice how God sends the angels to the shepherds first. If you made a list of who would be told first about Jesus coming to this world, they would be the last people that you would consider. You would assume they would go into the, into the temple, into Jerusalem, to the religious elite, 
to the Pharisees. And no, God says no, because God is not interested in religiosity. Let me make that clear to you tonight. God is not interested in religiosity. God is not interested in religion. God is interested in personal relationships with his Savior. And that's what this is all about, understanding that. And so here he goes to the shepherds, and now the angels deliver the message of hope, the message of salvation. And so this is a graphic picture, really graphic picture, of the heart of God and the meaning of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one who came to save us was lowly, an outcast. There he is. But his parents are poor. They have no money. He's being uh, born in a manger, in a stable. All right. He doesn't have the crib that most other children would have. He's in a trough that would be used to feed animals. That is where the Son of God came to this world. And so you see it. The shepherds were not the religious elite. They were not politically savvy. They were not the rulers of the people. They were not elevated on the social register in any way. But they became a metaphor for the kind of people that Jesus came to save. You and me. And that's what this message is about tonight. The lost who desperately needed a savior. Here's the thing that you need to remember. Jesus didn't come to save people who thought they didn't need to be saved. Jesus didn't come to save people who didn't think they needed a doctor. Jesus came to save those who recognized they were lost outside of the will of God in every possible way. That's who Jesus came. And so the angels came to the shepherds. And so people were doing every day at that time just what they did in their lives. People going through the normal routines of their life. Who knew? Who knew that this would be a night unlike any night in, those, in the history of the world? But it was un, unlike any other night. And so here they are in the normal routines of their life, living ordinary lives. And now the birth of the Lord Jesus occurs. And so the angels tell them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We have good news for you. And so here they are, these lowly Outcasts have been given the greatest message that the world would ever hear, delivered directly from heaven. Can you imagine what it had to be like as the angel comes, as they come and they look up and the angel delivers this message, and then the heavenly hosts begin to sing and proclaim uh, the birth of Jesus? I can't imagine what that had to be like. And these men are out in the fields, lowly men, Seeing this, and they must have been dumbstruck, dumbstruck by what was going on. Uh, and so really, you know, it's, it's amazing. But I want you to refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when, when the scripture tells us exactly what we're like, what we're like before we were saved. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Amen. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you, God, for that message. God does not call arrogant men and women. God does not call the prideful. There is not one example in the scripture where God used an arrogant man or woman. Not one. But what you see is that God looks for the lowly. He looks for those who are downtrodden. He looks for those who are despised, those who are brokenhearted. And those are the people that the message of hope is delivered to. What a powerful God we have. Really, you recognize the love of God is so profound that this is actually the kind of people that he looks for. And so here it is. The Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that this is typical of what God does. Not the prideful, but the lowly, the brokenhearted in every way. So why start the Jesus story with the shepherds? Why? Because the message of Jesus is for everyone. Look at Luke chapter 4. We have it on the board. Luke chapter 4, 18 to 21. This is where Jesus first came out to the people of Israel about who he was and what his message was just as he started his ministry. Luke, Luke 4, verses 18 to 21. Quote, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's the message for you today. This is why Jesus Christ came to this world. This is what Christmas is about, to save us, to anoint us, to lift us up, to proclaim sight for the blind, and meaning not physical sight, although God can do that, but spiritual sight. We're lost. We don't know how to find God. And we have to recognize that when we look within our hearts and we find a blackness and a darkness and we recognize, Father, help me, I need a Savior. And at that moment, God reaches across eternity. He reaches across eternity and he touches you and he saves you and he pours grace into your heart and he seals you with the Holy Spirit. You can imagine what that was like that day when he did that in the synagogue. Of course, every eye was on him. They'd never heard anybody speak like that. They never heard that kind of message. Here was God speaking to them, talking in the first person. This wasn't some minister parroting somebody else's words. This is the Messiah himself reading back the very words of God written 750 years earlier. And so it is so poignant to me as we consider these words on Christmas Eve, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Look, the message for you today as you leave this place is that you are not too low or too insignificant or too forgotten for God to love you. I want you to understand that God loves each and every one of you. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done in your life. You understand, God doesn't care about yesterday. He cares about tomorrow. You understand? He cares about tomorrow. But as we bow before the throne and we recognize that he is our Lord and Savior and we ask him to accept us and forgive us our sins instantaneously across eternity, all of that takes place. And so it's an amazing thing. This is why Christmas 
is so incredible. What an, what an incredible holiday. And that's why you need to take this message of hope and go out those doors and give it to the rest of Naples, give it to the rest of Southwest Florida, and give it to the world. The world needs to hear this. The world needs hope. The world is lost. Uh, and so you need to understand this in a profound way. And so as we look at this also, uh, we see here that when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. I wonder how many stables did they have to go through to find the baby Jesus? Can you imagine? Because you know Bethlehem was crowded, but they did it because the Lord had told them, the angels had told them. And so they looked for Jesus until they found him, until they came face to face. And that's the message for you as well, that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to your heart, when he lets you know that he has a message for you and a mission for you and a vision for you, obey him. Do it. Do what the angels did. Do what, do what the shepherds did. They went to Bethlehem. They looked for Jesus. And when they came to Jesus and they saw Jesus, they would never be the same again. Yes, they would still be out in the fields. Yes, they would still tend the sheep. But their lives would never be the same. Their joy was overflowing in praise to God. And they were talking about the Messiah and what the God had, God had done. They recognized that the Messiah had come. They recognized it because God had spoken to them through the angels. They understood. They knew what the scriptures were about, even though they couldn't go in to the temple and worship, even though they were lowly and despised uh, by every measurement of this world. And yet God reached out to them. And so understand the significance here. Understand the significance of what God had done. These unclean men, despised by society, unable to be a part of the ritual cleansing in the temple, these men watched for the firstborn male sheep and delivered those animals into the temple so that everyone else could greet the Lamb of God. What an amazing story. Unbelievable. And so it says here in Luke 2, it says here that after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Can you imagine what kind of missionaries they were? Can you imagine what kind of evangelists? All of a sudden, these rough guys, rough guys who couldn't come into the temple are now filled with the joy of the Spirit of God, filled with the power of God himself and telling the message of hope to the world. I can just imagine what it had to be like. It had to be something incredible. And so here's the point. No one is too far away from God. No one. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past is. No one is too far away from God, not considered worthy enough for God. These people who were excluded from worship, who were considered ceremonially unclean, who had never been part of this Passovers, yet God reached out to them in love. That's your God. You understand? That's the nature of the love of God. His love is so profound, so deep, so great that he comes and finds you even where you are. 
Uh, and, and I want you to understand this. I want you to see Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which is on the board. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. While we were still sinners, he doesn't wait for you to be perfect. He doesn't wait for you to be washed because you know what? If he did, he'd never come. Okay? He'd never come. You understand that? And I laugh when I speak to people about coming to Jesus, and I'll hear this. Well, i got to clean up my act first. Oh, wow, that's a bad statement to make. All right? You can't clean up anything. You can't clean up anything, but only God can. You see, that's the love of God, and you see it here with the shepherds. This is how God's love acts, so deep and profound in so many ways. Oh, it's an amazing story, really. Uh, and so here's the point. No one, no one is too far away from God. And so even though the culture, even though society deemed them unfit, unfit for God, uh, we have to recognize that God said, no, no, I love you. I'm going to show you my love. You are worthy. And so our acceptance by Jesus Christ is not determined by our behavior or our past or our culture or our education, or our standing in society, none of that matters one whit. What matters is bowing before the throne of God and saying, Father, I'm lost. I need a Savior, God. Don't let me go another day without making you the Lord and Savior in my life. Don't leave this place without doing that in any way. And so the shepherds were given the invitation, go and see, go and see. And they went, and they went. And their life would never be the same. They simply would be changed forever. And so here's the point, folks. It's not about religion. It's not about religious activity. Uh, none of that matters. It's not about being part of a church. Although church is good, but church organization and church activity do not save you. We don't get up here and preach the church. We preach Jesus Christ. That's who we preach. It's not the church. It's Jesus Christ. And you saw that there 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. You saw it there. This is what God offers you. He offers it to you today. And so religion will never give you that life. He'll never give you that life from religion or religious activity. None of that will do. And so we are all invited, just like the shepherds. We're all invited. Come and see. Come and see. Come and taste. Come and touch. Come and experience. Come and see the baby Jesus. Come and see him now as the adult. Come and see him as the Lion of Judah. Come and see him as the man who defeated death. Come and see him and have your life changed forever. And so there's shepherds who were not known for their spirituality. Yet here they are talking about God and Messiah. And that's what happens when you experience God. That's what happens when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The old life changes, and you are a new person. And I want you to look at the board as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And so there it is. When you come to Jesus, you are new. You are created all over again. You are a new person. It doesn't matter what you were yesterday. 
It doesn't matter what you were two hours ago. You have been created new in Christ Jesus. That's what you get. That's what we do. And that's why the shepherds are such a great example to give us hope uh, to those who are farthest away from God. And if you're here tonight and you've not had to experience that, I'm going to ask you to make that prayer in your heart to accept Jesus Christ. And you can speak to me afterwards and we'll talk about it further. We'll pray together. But I don't want anyone to leave here now tonight from this, this uh, auditorium who has not made that decision. Make this your Christmas story tonight. I want you to go back to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but I want you to do it in your heart and bow before the very throne of God. Amen. Let's close this message in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the image of the shepherds. Lord, I thank you for your glorious will, Father, and for your love that you came to this earth and picked out the lowliest to prove to us it is not about our personal standing, but rather about our hearts. And you can take anyone, the lowliest of the low, but not the prideful or the arrogant, and you can bring the message of hope to, the, to us in that most profound way. Let this lesson resonate in our heart, Father. Let it resonate in our heart. and Let us, every single one of us, as we leave here today, be profoundly affected by this message. In Jesus' name, we put this. Amen. And now, we're going to go to the candle lighting portion of our service. Uh, and I want you all to sit, remain seated. Uh, as I have a few words to say relative to the lighting of the candles and the celebration of the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Uh, and so the point of, of this ceremony is to understand that the world was filled with darkness. The world had no hope. The world was swimming in evil. And if you read on the, on the screen Isaiah 59, uh, it says, so justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness for brightness. But we walk in deep shadows. There it is. That's the nature of the world. The world is in darkness. They don't even understand it. There is no light in the world. There is no hope in the world. There is only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. And I want to say this because recently I heard that, that one, of the, one of the world's great religious leaders made a statement that, that basically said that all men were the sons of God. That's not true. Don't go for that lie. Not all men are the sons of God, but only those that bow and accept Jesus Christ. One way, one way alone to God the Father. And we need to understand that. So the world was in darkness. But look at John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and God has put the light of Jesus Christ in each and every one of your hearts, and he's put it there so that you can go into the world and let the light of Jesus emanate from your heart. 
Look also at John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Can you imagine? You'll never walk in darkness again, because once you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're saved forever. He holds you in the palm of his hand. No power can take you out of his hand. And that is the light of, the, of this world, our Jesus Christ. Look also, look also at John chapter 12, verses 35 to 36. Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus had left and hid himself from us. And so this is so profound as you see our Lord and Savior speak about what the light is. Speak about the hope of the world. Speak about what God did that night. And so I would like you all now to turn your, your candles on. I want you to look around this room. And you see the light of Jesus throughout this auditorium in every possible way. This is the light that's in your heart. This is what Jesus has done for you. This is what we will do when we leave here and go out and touch a world that doesn't understand what we have, what we will speak about. This is the light of the world. And no power, no principality can ever shut it down. And so I want you now all to stand and rise as we sing three verses of Silent Night as we conclude this service. Yeah. 
hearts quake at the sight. Glory streams from heaven far. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ, the Savior, is born. Christ, the Savior, is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, Christmas church. Go enjoy. Fear the darkness no more. Amen. God bless you.